boom, we recorded so many kilobytes of data. Wow, wow, wow. Two megabytes. Three megabytes. <laughs> the file's out of control. <laughs> shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> this is actually concerning because I will have to upload this on this internet. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. This has to go up on Dropbox. All the more reason to get started. Here we go. Welcome to episode 330. I'm your sick boy, Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach, your healthy boy. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, you sound terrible, my friend. I am terrible. (laughs) This is one of those weird situations where I I got sick and jet-lagged halfway through a trip. Like, that never happens. (laughs) God. I can't imagine why you would be uh, sick uh, if you've spent time in airports. Yeah, uh, sleeping on airport seats and trains and buses and metro systems. Uh, Yeah, what could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Man, oh man. Anyways, we're recording uh, remotely. I'm in a hotel room in Osaka this morning, actually. Jealous. And heading to Tokyo this evening. So yeah, get even more jealous. All right. Before we get into today's episode, uh, we have some new supporters this week. Yes, we do. Last week, uh, we announced or we reminded folks, actually, that when we hit 128 patrons on our Patreon, we're going to do some merch. Mm -hmm. We don't know what we're going to do, but we will do some. It depends. It depends. Uh, (laughs) But a lot of y'all pitched in. So we have some new supporters. Uh, Huge shout out to Arjun Mahesh, Anchor Priyadarshi Chahan, Martin M, Tiago Valadares, Noleto Damasqueno. You're just fucking with us now, I swear to God. <laughs> Four names, damn. And then compared to our next one, Julius. So Julius. <laughs> okay. uh, I guess it all evens out, huh? Yeah. Uh, Guillerme Nagales, Carly Batson, Grace Lee, Daniel Gore, George Tyam Carey, Shogo Suruda. And Claire Jardine? Jardin? Hardine. Hardine. Damn, names are hard. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all got some hard names. I think I think it's intentional just to mess with Brian. Hard names for us, not not hard. Yeah, this is on us. <laughs> and I'm in. I love it. So thank you. Thank you for supporting us. It means the world to both of us. You're, you're helping keep the lights on, and you're getting us closer to that sweet, sweet merch. Ooh, yeah, we're at 117. So at 128, we're going to start doing stuff. Uh, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. 11 away. Hey. That's at patreon.com slash design details. And uh, for just a buck a month, you get access to a private RSS feed with sponsor-free episodes, as well as access to bonus land content, which, by the way, we're going to be a little behind on uh, for January, (laughs) but we will catch up. I promise. It's okay. We have a topic already. Yeah, yeah. So bonus land episodes exclusively on our Patreon. This episode is also supported by Sisu. Sisu is looking for a thoughtful and data-savvy designer to help build the next generation of analytic software. You can find out more at sisu.ai. That's S-I-S-U dot A-I. This episode is also supported by Flywheel. Flywheel is a delightfully designed managed WordPress hosting platform thoughtfully built for busy creatives. Streamline your workflow with their slick platform and sweet set of workflow tools perfectly made for designers. Get started at getflywheel.com slash design details. We're also supported by Pathrise. Pathrise is an online mentorship program that helps you land a great UX job. Previous fellows have been placed at Google, IBM, Atlassian, and other exciting companies. You can learn more at pathrise.com slash details. 
All right, we got some tweets, Brian. All right, first up, you want to read this one? Okay, this uh, first tweet I'm really excited about comes from Ladies That UX ATL, which is, a, I guess, an Atlanta-based group of, of ladies who do UX. And they said, last night we bundled up on the Beltline, sipped good wine, and shared our favorite new things of 2019 that we think everyone should bring into their 2020. Here's the good stuff. And we were included along with some other cool things like uh, Webflow and Notion. Ooh. Yeah. So really cool. And, the, and someone's therapist. <laughs> yeah. And a therapist. That's a high bar to be associated with. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. And it means a lot to us. So so thank you. And also, if you're a lady in ATL, check out Ladies That UX ATL Twitter account. Link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. We also heard this week from Michael Woodruff. Uh, Michael says, absolutely love the show. So much great info slash discussion. Only tweak I'd make are the chapters. Less generic, adds very little value, mm. and more specific to what you're discussing. Layout does this very well. Uh, Layout being uh, another design podcast on the Spec Network. Yeah. A direct competitor. Not just <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 do better. Okay, be like Layout. All right, fine. I, I will agree, though. I, I do find that Layout's chapter naming is very useful because... I listen every week, and sometimes there are segments where I'm like, uh, you know, I'm okay. And the chapter titles are so descriptive that I can tell that up front and just jump to the next one. Well, Michael, I will take your advice <laughs> so this in, is pressure in, on you, Mark. into account, and I will do that with this very episode. Look at the chapters in your podcast player of choice, if that's available, and you will see that there are better named chapters now. Ta-da, done. This chapter is going to be so crispy. Mm. Abracadabra. We also heard from Manny Shu. Uh, Manny, you told me how to pronounce your name. I think it's Shu. Shu. Uh, Manny says, best way to stay in the gym. Oh, this is talking about our 2020 goals. Yeah. Manny says, best way to stay in the gym for me was to hire a personal trainer. My head always goes to, I don't care how tired I am. I'm not going to waste my money for nothing. And uh, Manny stayed in the gym all of last year and feels pretty weird now if, if he's not working out. And yeah, putting your money on the line is a great way to stay motivated. <laughs> this is a good strat. I feel that way about blogging because I'm now paying for Ghost, which is a like blogging hosting platform. Okay. And it's not cheap. It's very expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, if I'm going to be spending this much money every month, I better be blogging. So yeah, good strategy, Manny. Uh, we also heard from Adam Carroll this week. He said... I was so delighted to hear the glowing review of Mr. Robot. I've been telling literally anyone who will listen that it is an absolute masterpiece. You are correct in that assessment, Adam. It is an absolute masterpiece. I've gone back and I rewatched episode seven of season four. It is one of the best episodes of television ever written, ever shot, ever acted, ever scored. It's fucking amazing. It's worth watching the series for that episode alone. The acting is it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyways, yes, Adam, correct, <laughs> and I'm ha I'm happy you also agree that it's really good. So, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. Damn. Well, I'm still behind, but I'll, yeah, hoping to catch up when I get back. Yeah, motivation, Brian. All right, last tweet uh, this week comes from Sam Mason. Sam Mason says, "Crew next!" Exclamation point. Looking forward to these, regardless of the season. So am I, Sam. I think we should figure out crew next. A little bit more complicated, but uh, <laughs> just to get the materials right. Like, it's not hard to get merchandise made. It's hard to get good merchandise made at a good price point that doesn't require you to make like a hundred of a thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, that's my choice. Either that or a hoodie. A hoodie's good too. Like a pullover with a front pocket. Yeah. 
why not vote? <laughs> okay, that's it for follow up, Marshall. Uh, we're going to talk about Twitter this week. Okay. Not in a bad way. I think this is going to be a very positive conversation about Twitter because I think you and I have both had many positive experiences on Twitter. So we get to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a listener question this week. This one comes from Carly Batson, new fam of the pod, VIP, very important pixel. Oh, yeah. Carly says, Hi, Marshall and Brian. I love the podcast. And finally today, after listening to one of the episodes, I caved and set up a Twitter. Whoa. Uh, Two questions I'd love for you to answer. Number one, how is the best way to get involved with the UX community on Twitter? Number two, I'm a remote designer and have a hard time leveraging connections because I don't have any designers nearby. How can I use social media to connect with other designers? Good questions. Let's start with number one, Marshall. Okay, that's a good place to start typically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should start with number two. <laughs> Tackle this one in reverse order, reverse chronological order from time of thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How do you get involved in the UX community? Okay. I don't know how to tell you to do this yourself. I can only tell you how I did it. And I imagine it would still work today. This is a different... It's a different time, Brian, a different era. <laughs> I think we're about to get a back-in-my-day Twitter story. <laughs> when I was your age. Back in my day, <laughs> when I first joined Twitter, and there was only 100 million uh, users. Oh, my God. That used to be such a, a cliche thing when I was younger, and like I would be annoyed every time I heard it, but I've, I felt myself wanting to say it more the older I get. <laughs> like Not that phrase exactly, but, well, it used to be that, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God, I'm old, Brian. I'm old. Man, can you imagine if you had a lawn? Oh. <laughs> yeah, right? I'd have to tell people to get off it all the time. <sighs> yeah, that would be hard. So, okay. So, the the way I did it back in my day was, I think I started by looking at Dribble, and I found the artists that I that I liked and that I saw commenting regularly in the, the comments, right? That the, they were engaging in conversation and giving quality feedback. And so the people that I recognized as being good, just through being a lurker on Dribble for a while, kind of clued me into who I was in line with, both you know, design style and, and our philosophies about how design should be, what things should look like, what's good, what's not. And the nice thing about Dribble is you can link your Twitter account. And so I found everybody's Twitter accounts and started following them and started replying to them. And when they would say something, I would reply if I had something worthwhile to say. And uh, eventually people started replying back to me and I, I kind of uh, slotted into this existing network. I, f- I feel like there was a, a group of people that were already kind of friends with each other. And I, and, uh, I kind of gravitated towards several of those people in that friend group online friend group, right? And that kind of opened me up to the rest of that friend group. And I ended up, by the time I ended up getting a job in San Francisco, I actually had people who already lived here that I had been talking to for months and months, but had never met in person. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got involved, is dribble to Twitter to real life. Yeah, I, I think I took a f- pretty similar path, but I think the thing you pointed out the, at the end there is important is as with all relationships, like the best ones are the ones that are developed over a long period of time, have like rich communication, have some honesty and openness. And, you know, hopefully you get to meet up with some people in person, even though you're, you're not in, it sounds like you're not in a major city. We didn't catch what city you're in. I think one of the most effective strategies just to piggyback on yours, Marshall, is like, it's about being involved candidly and and like sharing your actual thoughts and opinions regularly and i think 
it's that regularity of just showing up in people's mentions and responding to their questions or asking them questions back. Mm-hmm. Like people will notice that the community isn't that big, and people will notice. Oh, this person like keeps showing up in my mentions. They're asking good questions. They're they're saying thoughtful things. I'm gonna go check out what they're up to, and then they click on your profile and see what you're tweeting about. Who else you're engaging with, and it then it just sort of snowballs from there. Like, oh, they're also tweeting at other people that I know, and other people are tweeting at them, and you can get embedded in that community pretty quickly that way. I think. Yep, it's easy to get pulled in to, to an existing like sub click, you know? Yeah, I think like two suggestions I have. Uh, the first is to not try and automate things. Like I think oh, no, no, no. I've seen people that turn to services like Buffer, which are like tweet scheduling tools, and they will be like, okay, my vibe on Twitter is I'm going to share like cool things that I found, which is fine. But then they go and find like 50 cool things and then schedule them out. And it's so interesting. It's so, you could write a tweet exactly the way you would type it in real time. But when people see that it's from Buffer, it just has this feeling of being computer generated. Like it feels less human of a tweet. Calculated. Calculated, um, like growth hacky. Mm -hmm. And I think it feels bad. So I would recommend, personally, do not use those. I think those services are fine if you're a marketing department for those exact reasons. Well, maybe not, but (laughs) yeah, just go on the app and tweet something. I think a good rule of thumb, this is something I'm trying to be better about, Marshall. I don't know about you, but I found last year I just got really caught up in like scrolling Twitter, never contributing anything. And one thing I'm trying this year is like, if I'm going to open Twitter, I want to like respond to somebody. I want to engage in some way with something and not just be a lurker the whole time yeah if you look at my twitter i don't tweet very much i might have tweeted like a handful of times in 2019 i think but i did reply a ton yeah yeah. right i i replied way more and and got into threads way more than i ever did starting my own threads I, i don't get a whole lot of response on Twitter when I when I say something like you know it's the same 20 people that like it you know same <laughs> yeah, group of yeah. 20 people uh, random arrangement and and that's less valuable for me to say stuff on Twitter like who gives a fuck what I think it's more valuable t- for me to like you know join into conversations that are already existing and uh, here's here's a quick pro tip on on this whole replying aspect of it. I Brian, I don't know if you've noticed, but I haven't changed my Twitter avatar in probably a decade. Yeah, yeah. The chin? Well, yeah, you say the chin. It's my <laughs> mouth, but yeah, fine. I changed that. Uh, I was living in Chicago at the time, so that's how long ago it's been. It's been like probably 10 years. But because I never change it, when people see my shit, when people see my face, I'm they know exactly who it is, right? My, my avatar doesn't look like anybody else's. I'm not changing it constantly. That throws me off and people who I f- have followed for a long time change their avatar. I'm like, what the fuck is this, right? Yeah. So especially when you're first starting, like maintain your avatar because that's what helps people recognize that you're the same person showing up regularly. Don't be an egg either. Yeah. I will say though, Marshall, I do like your other profile photos, like the one in the the red hoodie with you smiling with sunglasses. That wouldn't be a bad Twitter avatar. That's my uh, friends and family avatar. Mm. My friends and family see my full face. Everybody else just sees my mouth. <laughs> just get the mouth, the mouth shut. Yeah, yeah. What would you say as as an avatar? Like, would you say something that is like an illustration of yourself, or like a picture of not a human, like a landscape or something, or would you want a human face in that avatar? I can tell you that my, I think this is very just a human reaction, but when I see people who follow me that do not have 
a human face that is smiling. The smile is optional, but if at least it's not a human face, automatically assume it's a computer or a bot. Bot, yeah. Yep. Um, and I have lots of bots that end up following me, and it sucks, and I never even check out those people's profiles. Even though they might be legit, and they're just using like a cool illustration they made, not a good strategy. I highly recommend a profile photo that puts a face to a name. Illustrations are halfway. Like an illustration of your face, I feel like... The photo is still preferable, but I could live with an illustration. I think like an example of this, I'm just kind of scrolling through my mentions now, like Michael Knepprath has an illustration of his face and that seems okay because it's still, it's pretty human, like it's not too abstract. <laughs> Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, you know. Yeah, you know, like a face does. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would definitely at least start with face, smile, like, you know. These are strangers on the internet. Like, what do you want them? What do you want their first impression to be? And exactly happy and positive. And that's the point here. Is yeah, you're you're a human. There's a human behind this account, and it's worthwhile to reply to you or, or not not skip past you because you look like a bot or something. I would probably even recommend skipping the memoji. I know it's like a really popular trend right now to do the that for iMessage and such, which you have for iMessage as well. Mm-hmm. Just for iMessage, yeah. But on Twitter, I would probably skip it just because it's not, they're, they're all so consistently, like visually consistent that it's hard to distinguish any given person on a timeline. Like you want something that is distinguishable when people are scrolling through a feed. Sure. I don't know. I don't mind them so much. I think they're just so damn charming, you know? <laughs> Cute. Yeah. All right. Well, this brings me to my second point, which was, so in addition to, Doing the tweeting yourself. Don't schedule things. Uh, the second thing that I would recommend is focus on positive conversations, not negative conversations. Yep. I've actually experienced this. I saw somebody who was doing something similar. Like they were new to Twitter, trying to get involved in the conversation. And the way that they did that was one of the first conversations they joined in was talking about just shitty things that Facebook does. And uh, ended up in, in the DMs with this person and we got to chatting about like maybe ranting about negative things or bashing companies or like taking the negative side of any point of view isn't the best vibe. And this is something that I've struggled with on Twitter because I complain about shit all the time. And the more and more I do it, the more I feel I cringe at myself. I'm like, ah, do I really need to be complaining about these things in public to thousands of people? So I would find positive conversations. And like my heuristic now is like, I look for things that uh, cool things people made what are other people excited about having built and just like retweet them, shout them, uh, send them a congrats message, like anything where it's positive and constructive, new things being created or new ideas being explored. That all seems preferable to Facebook as shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels good to shit on things sometimes, right? Like uh, I think there are scientific studies that they say like you get a dopamine hit when you feel superior to something or someone right it feels good to feel superior um but that's not necessarily the best vibe on twitter like there's plenty of that already right um and the best people i know in this industry aren't like that um and they that that's a turnoff for them so if if you're trying to like ingratiate yourself with the best of us that's probably not the best way to get into it, you know? Yeah, because there, there are there are people who have sort of built a vibe around like, I will be the dissenting opinion 
amongst the overwhelming positivity. Yeah, the contrarian. And I get that point of view. Like, I think that is necessary. But if I had to choose what I wanted someone's gut reaction of me to be, I would prefer it to be, oh, yeah, that person's like in a good mood and they like sharing cool things. They don't like bashing things or they're, or they're making things. I would prefer to, I would follow somebody who makes stuff versus somebody who shits on stuff any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm much more of a yes and rather than a no but. Well, maybe even okay. So this could be a third thing here. Like best ways to get involved in the community on Twitter is to make things. I think mm. people get excited about other people who are making websites or side projects, uh, people who are contributing to open source, people who are learning new tools and like sharing that in the open. So if you're learning a new skill, like maybe you're learning JavaScript or like learning how to make iPhone apps, like share that process and like tweet about the things you're learning, the roadblocks you're hitting. As you have specific issues, you could maybe pull people in who you know are well-versed in that subject. Like, hey, I'm learning React, but I'm stuck on this one thing. Could so-and-so take a look? And like, that's going to be a much more compelling reason to to engage in dialogues. Like, oh, I know something that this person needs help with. Like, I would love to, to join. I think that's going to be a pretty common reaction. So making things and, and yeah, sharing that seems... Also like a winning strategy here. What do you think? Yeah, that's. I, th- I think that ties back in with the, the dribble stuff I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, yeah it, it became about the work, right? And about helping each other with the work. And I give you good feedback and you give me good feedback. And it's a, it's a nice reciprocal relationship based on positivity and improvement. And the way you get there is by sharing the stuff that you're working on and, and being vulnerable in your openness. Yeah, which is a hard thing. It's a hard thing to do, especially if you uh, are like me and hate everything that you do. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a tough step to take, but I think that'll go a long way. If you're brand new to Twitter, though, you can at least feel easy knowing that, like, you can get away saying some dumb things or sharing bad things if nobody's gonna see it at the beginning. Like, you have an opportunity to sort of test some ideas, and not that you should be. A, B, testing your way to to Twitter conversations, but like you can experiment with like, I shared this thing and I didn't feel good about sharing it. Good to know. Noted for the future. Like you have an opportunity to experiment with that. Can always delete dumb tweets. Okay. Uh, number two, maybe there's not a whole lot here to add because number two is uh, I'm a remote designer and I have a hard time leveraging connections because I don't have designers nearby. How can I use social media to connect with other designers? And I think we've just listed a few of the ways. It's like, public critique and getting feedback on your work and giving feedback to other people and sharing things that you're learning in public. Like all of these are really great ways to connect with other people who make cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess I, we don't know where you live, but you know, organizing a meetup might also be a really like people who organize communities become the center of those communities and become very well known um, maybe there's an opportunity in your city, wherever you are, to organize something. And social media can be a way that you organize that, but end up meeting people IRL who become like actual friends. So I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in a city without like a huge density of tech, but perhaps there's a few other people like you who are uh, making things for the internet, designing, or maybe they're programmers who want to get together and talk about building products. Uh, so maybe organizing a small meetup. I, I've never done that. But if I had to, if I was in a city where I didn't know anybody and I wanted to meet people who make shit, I would probably explore that route. It seems like a good 
path to become sort of the center of that community. Yeah, this is something I, I participated in kind of ad hoc. And so I, I lived in Chicago before I moved to San Francisco. And luckily, it's a relatively large city, but it's definitely not a designer's city, right? Mm-hmm. Good city to live in, though. And there were several, because it's so large, there were several other designers who actually lived there. And uh, we connected through Dribble and Twitter in, in the process that I mentioned earlier. Uh, one of those people was Juan Aragon. Uh, do you know Juan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he, he's like super extroverted. I'm a, I'm a big introvert, but he's super extroverted. And he took it upon himself to, to put together me and a few other designers. And at a few different times, we uh, went to Benihana. Brian, you know, that's my favorite place to eat. Uh-huh. And like... You know, four or five of us would meet up and chat and just bullshit. And it was it was really cool because it was like, oh, yeah, there are other people out there. None of us had really quite made it yet. We were all trying to make it. But but we all were aiming towards the same goal. And and, uh, yeah, and it was a really interesting experience to translate those Twitter skills, those Twitter connection skills into real life. I don't know how um, introverted or extroverted you are. I'm not really great at meeting people. So if I was to project myself into the shoes of a meetup organizer, even if it was just a few people, I would imagine that that could be almost the most introvert friendly role. Because if you get tired of talking to people or like being in that environment, you'd be like, oh, I just got to go take care of something on the website or something. <laughs> like, excuse yourself to run the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's a, a bad move, but I could imagine myself doing that if I was uh, overwhelmed by a social situation. Yeah, the host can always duck away for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, h- how about this one? Um, how about DMing people? Uh, I have, you know, you and I have been talking about this recently, but... I DM'd a quote-unquote very famous designer yeah. recently on Twitter, uh-huh. and they responded. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, this person who seems inaccessible is kind of accessible. Everybody's kind of accessible on Twitter, though, right? Like, that's kind of the appeal. That's so powerful. Like, I think that's probably underutilized, if, if I had to guess. Like, people not pressing the message button because they just assume the other person will never read it or reply. When in fact, there's a lot of people who are really hungry for messages that are asking specific questions or sharing specific feedback. I think people love that shit. And so, yeah, how do you feel about DMing people as a way to just sort of get to know people a little bit better or or maybe build like a more personal one-on-one connection rather than tweeting out to the masses. Yeah, uh, I've actually done this. So to go back to our earlier point about about building products and sharing those, uh, when I was working on my kind of starter project that helped me get hired at Google, I shopped it around and and uh, asked for feedback from some you know quote unquote famous like famous in our circle designers. And uh, one of those was Nevin Mergen. You know Nevin Mergen? Uh, I know the name. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a great designer at Panic. And he, he actually wrote back to me and he gave me, so I gave him a test flight version of the app and he downloaded it and looked at it and gave me some really actionable feedback. It was awesome. But yeah, I, I've, I've had a few instances where I've reached out to people who I assumed would never give me the time of day and they got back to me with really good feedback. Um, it was short form, but you know, the fact that they spent any time to, to get back to little old me who would they just some random dude from the internet was really uh, encouraging and 
I, th- I think that's probably still true today. Yeah. I, I answer DMs and stuff from randos asking me questions all the time. All the time, that's yeah. That's what this whole podcast is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think having open DMs is a nice asset as well. Just like you never know what kind of connections are going to be inbound your way, so you might as well make yours open. You can ignore whatever you want, uh, but as long as you have them open, you're going to get DMs from all sorts of people. Uh, this is also, I should <laughs> caveat this, that... Uh, I'm a white dude, and so I I probably get the more gentle subset of DMs that get sent on Twitter. Yes. So maybe open DMs for everybody isn't the right solution. Let's just go ahead and call that one out. Yeah, I would say there's a there's a certain audience who that is probably not the safest choice, but yeah. But in general, in our community, you're probably fine. Are are your DMs open? Mine are. Yeah. Yeah, mine are too. Yeah, they've been open for forever, and I, I've found actually in recent weeks, like I'm. I'm sending a ton of DMs. Like I've DM'd, if I'm just scrolling through, I don't know, like 40 people this month, uh, like 40 different conversations with people this month. And they're spanning the board from like designer to engineer to like a a VC to all sorts of randos. And like, you just never know where these conversations are going to go. And some of them are just like, hey, what's up? Just wanted to say I like your work. And some are like, uh, who's a designer I should hire? And I can like recommend somebody like that's so cool. So yeah, DMs, they're so fun, if they're good. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some risk there, but yeah. yeah. Okay, well, hopefully that answered your, your questions uh, adequately. Yeah, for everyone who's listening, if we missed tips or tricks on, on like being remote and connecting with people on social media or just like tips for having a positive experience on Twitter, let us know. You can tweet at us. Uh, as we've mentioned, we have open DMs as well, so you can DM... Design Details FM or Marshall or myself individually. We read all those. I don't think we respond to every Design Details FM DM, but we certainly read them all. In case in point, this question came through a uh, Twitter DM from Carly. So, uh, An account created specifically to ask that question, Brian. Yes. <laughs> and and Carly's doing a good job. She got she got a face on her avatar. She went straight to the DMs and, and asked a really good question. So... You're doing it right already, Carly. So Also, 173 followers. Wow, Carly, what's up? Yeah, you already got your own network. What are you talking about? Yeah, come on. Eight days, 173 followers? What's going on here? Carly, come on, get on the podcast and tell us how you're doing it. <laughs> hey, all right. You let me know. Shit. Yeah, you tell us. <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe one more tiny thing. How do you feel about bios? Oh, um, I don't feel about bios. I have the most generic. I think I have this podcast. Oh, let me look for it. Hold on. Well, yeah, I, this is what I want to get into. Do you have like the resume bio or? I have the resume bio. I, I have uh, design lead at YouTube Gaming, co-host at Design Details FM. That's that's my bio. And and both of those ats are linked. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a resume bio as well. I just think it helps with credibility like if somebody has to make a gut reaction to whether it's worth scrolling and reading my tweets like i think a bio is helpful for that yeah i mean i i guess i i wear it like a badge of pride it's like i gotta i get to put a youtube at name in my bio you know and it's for real and and i get to put this podcast in in my bio and it's for real like those are two things that i'm very proud of um I think it lends some legitimacy if somebody's like, who the fuck is this little guy saying stuff? Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. I, I, I lend more credence to that than follower count, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody says something to me or replies to something I say, I'm, I'm looking more at the, like, where do you work? What do you do? Like, what are, what are your interests, you know, rather than like how many people are following you? Because that's, that's a meaningless number to me. Yep. Yeah. 
I think the best way to wrap this up, Carly, is I think you're already doing all of the things that we've literally just described. I'm scrolling through your Twitter feed and learned that you're from New Haven, Connecticut. And also you're sharing work in progress and like replying to people and asking what other, like you're saying you want to connect with other remote designers. Well, shit, we've been entirely unhelpful, Brian. This is, <laughs> this is for people who are listening who haven't made a Twitter account yet. Go look at Carly's. Yes. All right, let's do some cool things and then I got to go pack and leave this city. Yeah, let us. Okay, uh, I was in China last week and I have some China tech catch up. If you'll remember uh, last time that I was in China, we talked about, and you were in Japan at the same time, we were like, tactile pavement, whoa, this shit's crazy. Remember when we were talking about that? Oh, we, we had a, I think we that episode is called Travel Edition. Uh, yeah. That's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. So yeah, but yes, I very, very uh, vividly remember talking about tactile pavement. Well, here's, here's Travel Edition Volume 2, uh, the Brian verse. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I was in China last week and there was a few cool and also maybe not cool things that I noticed. The first, so I was in uh, Shanghai and this is the first city that is introducing something called an illuminated pedestrian crossing. And I, I walked up to this street crossing and was like, what the fuck is going on here? So I pulled out my phone, like took a video of it. And apparently this is new. So uh, I'm reading an article that this came out in 2018, which makes sense. Uh, so it's fairly recent. Uh, but what is it? It is embedded lights in the crosswalk that turn green or red when you're supposed to cross. And then there's also a strip of white lights embedded in the street that represent where the cars are supposed to stop behind, you know? Uh-huh. And the lights are all synced up with the traffic lights, of course, kind of cool it's like i don't know human beings are attracted to lights and so it feels sort of futuristic it's like whoa there's like embedded lights in the streets and they're flashing their blade runner shit they're green and red yeah it looks like blade Runner. this is pretty sick the kind of not cool thing of this is uh there's a warning system i didn't actually get to see this but just from reading this article it says there's a warning system on both sides of the crossing it triggers a loudspeaker if any rules are broken which informs the offender and asks them to correct their misdemeanor. Images of jaywalkers will also be displayed on an LED screen installed at the side of the road. Uh, so you're going to get publicly shamed if you fuck up. Oh, man. But I was sitting there staring at these lights. I'm like, the previous walk, don't walk signals must not have been working, either because people were jaywalking or because they were looking down at their phone and missed the signs. Like maybe there was a spike in pedestrians getting hit by cars or stopping traffic or something like that. And so putting lights in the ground, like you can't miss them if you're walking and you look it down when you're walking, which most people do because they don't want to step on shit. Um, or if you're in San Francisco, step on shit. Literally step in shit. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that was the first. It, it was just one of those things where you see it and you're like, this is weird and new and I've never seen this many lights to communicate that I can walk. Um, Did people have like lightsaber umbrellas that they were walking around with? Uh, <laughs> no, we're not there yet. Do you see Harrison Ford anywhere in the rain? No, that would have been sick though. Where were you, Harry? <laughs> All right, second thing. Okay, so when we're taking the subway, uh, this is also relatively new. I think this came out in 2019. Uh, China started experimenting with using facial recognition payment systems in the metro. So... When you're hopping on the subway, instead of swiping a card or tapping your phone or scanning a code, you just, it, there's like a kind of an iPad mini kind of device that's propped upright on top of the turnstile. And you just walk up to it, put your face in the, you know, align it to the display and it will pay with your face. 
So I'm reading some articles about it, and it seems like it's still experimental. I was in Xi'an and saw this, uh, so it seems like it's starting to spread. But it also says that this is opt-in. I don't know how long that will be the case. As Just anecdotally, I noticed most people did not use it as we were going through the metro. Most people were using their phones. Can't imagine why. Yeah. Uh, but hey, face rec to pay for day-to-day goods, especially like the metro, which... You know, New York is just now getting Apple Pay on individual lines of the New York subway system. It's like mm-hmm. so far behind. China's just like, uh, oh, Apple Pay. I remember when we did that like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Face ID now, yeah. Uh, the last thing I was going to call it in my cool thing, this is just a longer cool thing, but um, I was doing some searching around on like how people are feeling about face technology and came across this article on the New York Times that came out, uh, let's see here. All right, this came out January 18th, 2020, so just a couple of days ago uh, at the time of this recording. And it's about, have you heard of this? Um, it's called an app called Clearview, which they scraped billions of photos from Facebook, YouTube, Venmo, and other websites, hmm. put it all into an AI machine, in such a way that it is an app where you can take a photo of somebody and it returns all of the information about that person, like oh. where they've been, <laughs> oh, no. every photo they've ever uploaded. Oh, no. And so it's being used uh, by the police, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, I so I don't know. I think face recognition has this visceral reaction for people. And it's like, the face is visual. It feels personal. You cannot take it off unless you're Nick Cage. <laughs> or John Travolta, to be honest. <laughs> sure. Um, so I think people have this really icky reaction to it. And when you say, oh, especially put China in front of it and people get paranoid, it's like, well, what are they going to do with that information? And I think some of these concerns are valid. But I wanted to point out this other New York Times article that came out uh in December of 2018, and holy fuck is it scary. It's called, Your Apps Know Where You Were Last Night and They're Not Keeping It a Secret. And it is this New York Times article that shows how data uh, location data can be used to very, very easily identify individual people. And the thing that's scary to me about this is each app in isolation gathering location data, sure. That is totally anonymous, right? Like they're just getting little GPS pings. But in aggregate, nobody else is getting the same GPS pings at the same time of day at my house, my work, and my favorite coffee shop, right? Mm-hmm. So in aggregate, it is incredibly simple to find out what a specific person is doing, where they're going, who they're meeting with. When you cross-reference specific person A and specific person B, it's like, oh, they met up at this point in time. And... This New York Times article goes through all this data and they're like, yep, we were able to identify people who work for the government. We were able to identify whose houses they were going to, when they were going to them. Uh, They were able to like follow journalists and celebrities, see which celebrities hung out together, all from quote unquote anonymous aggregated data. Just because if you look at, you know, anonymous data of this person was at this house overnight, it's like, oh, it's the person who lives at that house, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So as visceral as a reaction we have to face ID and face tracking, like we're already so long past that. Like any anybody can know where you are and what you're doing just with this kind of data. So, uh, 
Way to bring it down, Brian. So sleep, sleep, sleep well tonight, Marshall. Well, that was depressing. Uh, are you done depressing me? Yeah, we can rename this segment "Depressing Things" if you want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool things colon depressing things. Um, well, mine's not depressing. Well, actually, it kind of is. Not really. Um, <laughs> Everyone, buckle up. We are about to get real <laughs> upset this week. Um, okay. So, so mine is kind of general. So. There's a production studio called A24. Brian, are you familiar with this? I am, yes. I've noticed a pattern of them making really good movies. And I most recently watched The Lighthouse today, actually. I watched it before we recorded, and I'm still kind of in a, in a haze, like a little bit fuzzy afterwards. Have you seen it, Brian? Uh, I have not, but I have seen clips and have heard from other people that it is a bizarre movie watching experience it's weird yeah i don't know how to feel but i know that it was it was well done it was good it was just it was weird anyways but it comes from a24 and i was like what else have they made i know i see this i I have like a visceral connection in my brain whenever i see that logo it's like oh good movie's gonna come after that i'm like why do i have this connection let me look at this list of movies brian strap in ready strapped here we go Spring Breakers, Under the Skin, A Most Violent Year, Amy, uh, Green Room, Ex Machina, fucking Ex Machina, uh, The Lobster, Room, Swiss Army Man, The Vivitch, The Witch, and uh, The Florida Project, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, Moonlight, A Ghost Story, which if you haven't seen Ghost Story, that's a fantastic movie, Uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, It Comes at Night, Mid-90s, Eighth grade, midsummer, and uh, most recently, The Lighthouse, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Damn, it's a lineup. I gotta admit, I've only I've seen less than fifty percent of these. Actually, maybe less than twenty percent. <laughs> Let's see. I've seen Under the Skin, very good. Ex Machina, very, very, very good. Swiss Army Man, loved it. Uh, the Witch was weird but good. I haven't seen Moonlight yet. Uh, a ghost story, like I mentioned, is is an amazing little masterpiece. Eighth grade, it's great, and yeah, the lighthouse. Those are the ones I've seen on that list. I want to see more, but okay, um, let's let's make this. When I get back to San Francisco, we can work through this list on our Sunday night movie nights because there's a bunch here that I I want to see um, that you didn't mention having seen. So okay, but yeah, a twenty four man, they make some really good movies, and uh, I was. After watching The Lighthouse, I was like, I should call this out because they they have a great track record. And that, that list is just really strong. So A24, if you see that logo, you're going to be watching a good movie probably. Let me let me just tack on a tiny thing. Have you used the app Letterboxd? I sure have. I, I haven't used it much recently, but I know it's a, a place of choice for movie enthusiasts who want to share reviews and stuff. Yeah, I, I've known about it for a while, but never got into it. But I started... Uh, recently because I like their watch list feature and then I'm following a couple people who make YouTube like film essays and following their reviews has been really fun. Patrick H. Williams. Yeah, Patrick H. Williams. Um, and Nando. Uh, oh, I haven't found Nando on here. He might not be. But anyways, yeah, Letterbox might be a good app for people who haven't heard of it as like a way to maintain a nice watch list and then you can you can go through and like find all the movies you've ever seen and build up your own little library of like things I've seen and you can write your reviews and give them ratings. So then, mm-hmm. Oh, also the other cool thing. Actually, I remember when we talked about this, uh, the cool thing that I like about Letterbox is you can go to actors or directors and it will say what percentage of their work you've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one thing that blew my mind is I'm like, oh, you know, I've seen a good number of Keanu Reeves films and I went to Keanu Reeves' profile on here 
And I've seen 9% of his movies. Oh, man. Only 9%. And I'm like, fuck, I've seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. Uh, which just goes to show how prolific he is. Anyways, mm-hmm. so that's another cool feature of this app. Uh, so I'm going to add a bunch of these to my watch list. Breathtaking. All right. So many cool things. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. I got to check out of this hotel. Um, thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, despite my disgusting sounding voice. <laughs> hope that wasn't too distracting. But let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, at Design Details FM. Tweet at us. DM us. If you have your own listener question, go to sp- uh, github.com slash specfm. We have a Design Details repo, and you can open an issue there with questions, feedback, critique, complaints, and we will respond as soon as we can. Uh, if you are looking for more podcasts for designers and developers, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just like you. What else, Marshall? Uh, if you're enjoying the show and have gotten value out of it and want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash design details. We're at 117 supporters uh, this week. And when we hit 128, we're going to start working on some merch. So let's do it. I think we could do it before January ends. That would be kind of a nice little milestone. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, For just a buck a month, you get access to a private RSS feed with uh, sponsor-free episodes, as well as access to Bonus Land content. Uh, Bonus Land episode three coming soon. And if you're liking the episodes and you want to leave us a review and help other people find this podcast, you can do that at iTunes. Uh, You can leave us a star review and even write some words if you want to write some words. That that really helps us out. Uh, We would appreciate it. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. One sec, I found tissues. Quick pause, quick pause. Mm -hmm. Blow that nose. This is going to sound so gross. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was nice. All right. I heard nothing, so we're good. Like, literally, you made the noises at the exact time. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Where were we?